Hey, hey, welcome to the Roof Strategist Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Benzman. You're listening to the number one resource for free roofing sales training. Tune in for new episodes every week right here or on YouTube to learn how to market yourself, generate leads, pitch like a pro, overcome objections, and close more sales. And whether you're a brand new salesperson, a seasoned pro, or an owner or sales manager growing your team, pay close attention because I have an offer you don't want to pass up. I'd like to give you my Pitch Like a Pro roofing sales training video library completely free. You'll get instant access to over 120 sales training videos organized by category that can take you from zero to hero in a heartbeat. Head on over to theroofstrategist.com right now to get my Pitch Like a Pro roofing sales training video library completely free. That's theroofstrategist.com. Now let's hop into today's episode. All right, welcome to this episode. I am joined today by Caleb Parks. Caleb, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Adam. So Caleb, how, how did we end up here? You sent me an email and I actually think I might have a screenshot of it, but why don't you share the details of that email that led to this call? Well, you sent an email talking about the updates and I was just, I feel like when people do things that help me, they should know that they did something that helps somebody because it makes me feel happy when I help people. So I just kind of wanted to tell you about how your products have helped me and drove me to where we're at today and just led to the sales success I have through, you know, a lot of the processes you have and taught me. I mean, you go to a year ago from today, I didn't know how to sell anything. I didn't know how to talk to anybody. I didn't know what a three tab shingle was. And I sold a hundred thousand in January with no storm. So just to come from like, that's a completely different thing. And the only reason I'm there is because of a lot of the YouTube stuff I've watched through you, the complete sales strategy I bought. I mean, just incorporating a lot of what you have. Dude, and thank you for 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 doing that. It, I mean, I I tell people, man, it, this is what makes my day. Is this industry changes people's lives? How old are you? I'm 21. I turned 21 about three months ago. Okay, so and and you got into this at age 20. Yeah, and you earned. You don't have to divulge the exact number, but can we share? I've I earned I earned right. I mean, like right under six figures. I count it because it's still amazing for me to have hit there, but like right under, it's just crazy. It's night and day difference from what I was making previously. Yeah. And then there's going to be that carryover, you know, yeah. you well, like all right the day. momentum. So we'll call it six figures. Sounds like it was a stone's throw away from in your tw 20 years old, just turned 21. This is what is so amazing. I spent four years in an undergraduate program. I then went to continuing education. I ended up having lots of um, where I'm at now. I didn't need that stuff. Of course, it helps in its own right. But like you have a jump start from people that are in their 20s by probably a decade or more and are likely earning four times, three to four times the average person in your age group. And you've got to stay humble with it. It's it's crazy because like a lot of my friends are just, it's blown away. I've tried to convince them to come work with me. A couple of them tried. Yeah. The turnover rate's ridiculous if you don't really have the effort to put it in. And that's one thing I've tried to tell anybody is it's it's not easy, but it's life-changing. If you really just buckle down and do what you've got to do for about six months, it'll change your whole year. It's it's wild. Man, back to, back to you. How did you end up in 20 years old getting into to roofing sales? I remember it like it was yesterday. I used to work construction. I was an operator and laborer out there just 
backbreaking work, 70 hours a week, you bring home like 800 to $1,200 a week. It's, it's not bad money to shun on, but it's backbreaking work. You earn every penny. It's just, it's no fun. <laughs> and I remember this, it was August, in the middle of August, and they had moved me from a like dirt crew to a concrete crew because I was young and I was easily movable. So they moved me to concrete and it's the middle of August, like 105 degrees. I live here in San Antonio. It's ridiculously hot in the summer and we're pouring concrete. And I just remember very vividly going, oh yeah, I can't do this. This is no, no way I'm doing this forever. And previous to that, I went to college. And the only reason I was in construction was because I'm the oldest of six brothers. I have no college assistance. It was all on me. And I was like, I'm not going to pay all this money and go to college if I don't even know what I want to do. Yeah. Fast forward to backbreaking labor and concrete. I'm sitting here saying, I'm not going to do this. I get off work. I'm, I'm just, I need to do anything. And I narrowed it down. I was going to do sales. I started looking at a bunch of different sales jobs and I fell into roofing because one, there's a high potential for growing. I love that you can earn what you feel you deserve based on the work you put in. So I took a few different interviews at roofing companies and I landed at the company I chose because they had a spectacular training program and you know, the rest is history from there. My, it just went on. That's awesome, man. How, how, and you had no sales experience beforehand, right? I had uh, previously to doing construction, I had sold cars for one month. I didn't sell a single car. Was no good at it. <laughs> so I didn't get money. So I don't count it as sales experience. <laughs> yeah, I guess your first sale is the experience, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Great, man. That's awesome. So what, um, thanks for sharing that. What was your, what was your biggest struggle? Do you think like as a new guy in this industry? When I came into roofing, I think my biggest struggles was I started in January and we had no storm and we didn't get a storm here in San Antonio until May 27th. So from January to May 27th, I sold maybe $50,000 in like gross product in total because there was nothing to work. And another side of that is when I was getting on roofs and such, I had my first 10 get denied. All my first 10 roofs got denied. It was like kicking me in the teeth back to back to back. But my, my boss was just sitting there. He's like, hey, man, you're getting on roofs. You're getting them sold. They're just not getting bought. He's like, you just got to stick in there. And man, I'm still thankful that he talked me into staying because after that, when we finally did it, get a storm, my whole life changed. I mean, and that's from May to December, my whole life changed. I made double the income I made the previous year in just six months. It's that's insane. There's such a rich lesson in you, your persistence to stick with it after 10 denials. I give you a ton of kudos for that because so many people would have been like, this industry ain't for me. I'm giving up. I failed. You know, before this was recorded, Caleb and I were talking book recommendations. There's a book I'd like to recommend for everybody that um, is all about failure. You might enjoy this one, Caleb. It is called, it was written by, I got to find it in here. It was written by the, um, here it is, Scott Adams. He is the um, cartoonist. Why am I drawing a blank on his cartoons? He were all over the newspapers and stuff. Anyway, Scott Adams, a cartoonist. He wrote how to fail, um, how to fail at almost everything and still win big. The Dilbert, Dilbert cartoon. So this is it, how to fail at everything and still win big. And he talked about how most of the things he's tried in his life didn't work. And yet it brought him to becoming the Dilbert cartoonist with, by the way, with no like art training whatsoever. And he's like the most iconic cartoon artist in, at least in the U.S. I don't know about globally, but kudos to the persistence. So your heart, your biggest obstacle was embracing the fact that this is not an instant success. 
Oh yeah. It was definitely just being patient and understanding that it's, it's consistency and keep going at it, even though it may not, you know, when I first got in, everybody told me it was hills and valleys. And I told everybody that I must've got a really large valley in the beginning because the rest <laughs> of it seemed like a hill. It was just ridiculous valley in the beginning of just lows. I'm just glad that I stuck through it because like I said, it changed my life in literally six months. Yeah. That's insane. The, I vividly remember the first six figures I ever earned and, and I didn't even know what to do with, with money. Like I was, I'd never, you know, before that I was living on $30 a week as my expenses outside of my rent and utilities. That was groceries and everything. I had to ask my mom when I was in my early twenties for $20 to fill up my truck to drive two hours to see family. I know what it's like to pinch a penny and then like, you know, you don't leave food scraps. I wasn't even going to Subway to eat. And then when I earned that first six figures, I was like, what do I do? What are you, what are you doing? You made a good point. You said, stay humble and don't spend it all. What, what's some tips that you'd share with someone who's new to, to doing really well financially? I do. So my big goal, I, I see roofing as a, is my first step in sales. I, I really have fallen in love with the, the art of sales. In my opinion, it's kind of just become yeah. my new lifestyle. I love it. There's, when you get really deep into it, you see the small delicacies and the beautiful things you can say to put something else in somebody else's mind and kind of just, it's just amazing. It's beautiful. It's an art. So this is just my first step in roofing. Sure. My big, I want to get into investment realty. That's my big goal. So I save a lot of money for that kind of stuff. Awesome. Saving mindset. You know what they say? Revenue is vanity. Profit is sanity. It's not what you earn. It's what you keep. And there are so many people in this industry that will do six figures, multi six figures, and they have spent it all. So kudos to you, man. Oh, and, you and my worst work truck. It's hilarious. I, I may have did really well, but I bought like a $10,000 work truck. Like the, the biggest just rolling turd, but I love it. It works. Gets me everywhere. I did the same thing as you. I bought high mileage Toyota trucks for about 10 grand, 10, 12 grand. I'd run them because I'd put 30 to 50,000 miles on them a year. I'd sell them because I bottomed out on depreciation and I get another one. And there's, you know, that's smart. It's really smart. Those sprinter vans, I think, are the way to go, though, because I don't know about you, but I have so much stuff in my back seat now that I'm like running out of room. I carry a printer because I never want to be able without. So it's dude. Like this. So this is my van. It's actually going in to get lettered up um, yes. and it's getting the roof strategist on it and the hood's getting wrapped. And then and we just put on those big mud terrains or all terrains. So. Mobile office, fantastic thing. I did a, a, a little video when you said you carried a mobile printer. Mm. Um, I set up in the back of my truck. Um, I went on like QVC or some really weird website to shop for a TV dinner tray. So the legs, where's a pen? The legs of the, of the table did, uh, did one of these things. It scoot under like that. And uh -huh. then the, the bench of the truck was there. And this was the tabletop. So it was like an L shape. And then that way I could set my laptop up. I'd set the printer next to me and I'd have my whole office. I could sit in front of a job or before an adjuster and hit it all. Kudos. Oh yeah. That's exactly that. I, I just use my passenger seat and scoot my seat back, you know, a little, but that, yeah. <laughs> that works too. <laughs> awesome. Anything you can do to, to make it happen. So you, you, you were patient, by the way, I just did an, another interview with a gentleman named Mitch yesterday. And I was surprised you and Mitch both use the exact same words, patience. 
that this industry isn't just, it's not, here's a bunch of cash. You did well, you made your first sale. There's a delay and you got to believe in it. You got to have faith. You got to know it's going to happen and it'll pick up. So what do you think was your big breakthrough from, obviously you had the patience and the persistence. That was the struggle. Struggles here. Where's that breakthrough moment, either mentally, a strategy, what, what shifted for you that helped you kind of keep that trajectory of that momentum? Well, I'd say the first thing that shifted for me is I got my first sale in the fringe season at my first roof after 10 denials gets bought. And I'm like, finally, it works. <laughs> like, so that was one thing. And once I got my like first commission check off of it, I said, oh, so this is real money. Because you, you hear all these like multi-level marketing pitches where everybody promises all these things. You don't get it. Yeah. So there's always a little bit of skepticism. And I had a little bit of skepticism when I started. I was like, okay, I believe I can make money, but is it really that good, you know? Yeah. And yeah. So the one thing that really just clicked to me is I realized that you have to stay consistent. So for a long time, I was a roofer at work and I was still me at home. And now I'm just Caleb, the roofer to anybody that all of my conversations are somehow I'm going to work in a roofing thing. But all, besides that, you don't turn off when you're roofing, but you stay consistent. So I believe in consistency. I may not knock 300 doors in a day, but I will hit 300 doors a week every time. It's a matter of just making sure you stay consistent, because if you're seen every day in the same places, People buy from people they're familiar with. People want to buy from friends, be their friend. So I just believe in being consistent. As long as you're consistent, it doesn't matter. You know, 300 doors on Monday doesn't matter if you didn't do anything all week to me. That's awesome, man. I, gosh, you, I, I wish you're like the best spokesperson to inspire all new salespeople. <laughs> stay persistent, be patient, stay in the neighborhood. Don't try a new neighborhood all the time. We can end this. We're done. That's it. <laughs> so no, that's fantastic, man. And then um, I'm curious, like of all staying in the same neighborhood is, I mean, of course I preach it. You have the, you, you went through the complete sales strategy. It's what you teach. There's 25 sales opportunities from a single customer. Use them. You're in that neighborhood. But I'm curious in, in your mind, my stuff, someone else's, it doesn't matter. I would just love to hear like what your, your, your most, the most significant strategy that you use that has helped you drive the most sales? I just try to be personable. I'm not, I'm not so I like, this is my running joke in the office. I'm not a pen pusher. I'm, I am the follow-up king though. So it's like, you can't not hear from me. Yep. <laughs> That's what I'd say. If you just follow up consistently, because it's somewhere like 50% of salesmen don't even follow up once. So yeah. if you follow up a few times, you're bound to get that call, especially if you're competing against somebody who's not following up. You just look that much better. I mean, that follow up is key to me. That's probably one of the biggest differences between me and every other guy I've ever talked to. Awesome. I love that. I was the same way as you, by the way. Like when I started, um, I just followed up like crazy all the time because I didn't have the skills at that point in my time, which I'm not implying you don't. <laughs> you clearly do. I didn't have the skills to close on a spot. Cause I was not, a, as you said, a pen pusher. It was all about building trust. And I was like, Hey, I will outpatient you. Like I yeah. know that four other guys are too busy and they're not going to follow up. So that's awesome, man. Well, I had to learn how to get good at follow up. Like I've, I've slowly become a way better closer in the past few. Cause I, I started just trying to learn how to sell. And then I had to learn what roofing was. And it was just all of last year was a crazy learning experience for me. Cause I had to learn how to sell. I had to learn what roofing was. I had to learn what a three tab was, what kind of shingle systems we use. What, what brand we're doing, all kinds of stuff. And now as we've went, entered this year, I've kind of taken the winter to work on actually sales strategy, just like mm -hmm. how to close, other things like that. So I still follow up a lot, 
but I've gotten way better at closing. But I feel that in not having the super closing ability when I first started because it seemed like every time I went, I just couldn't get the close the first time. It was the third time I talked to you, I was getting it. Yeah, man, that's, again, this goes back to the two things, persistence, consistency, patience. If you don't close it on the spot, don't, it doesn't matter. You can still, some people are just hesitant to make decisions and you got to respect it. You know, of course, I will always encourage the attempt, but you don't want to push too hard that they're going to break or say, whoa, come on now. So, man, that's great. Hey, I have a question for you. Did you do you believe that your age had any like, do you feel like you were up against a, uh, an obstacle with being younger? So there is a little bit of an obstacle, but it's it's how you shape it. So some people to me, when they see me as a younger person, they don't take me as serious sometimes because I've got a little bit of a baby face. Don't know if that's hey, you and me both. <laughs> so when I go up to talk to people, they almost don't expect me to sell them. So I kind of use that to my advantage more than anything else because they're, they're like, oh, it's just a, they brought this young guy out here to take care of me. He's just going to talk. And then next thing they know, they're signing paperwork and I'm, I'm their guy. So I just kind of use it to my advantage. And plus we've had the face mask for the past year and I'm six foot four and a pretty broad dude. So people don't even notice if I've got my face mask on. That is too funny. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to see you've embraced it as, as an opportunity as opposed to a, a handicap. That's really important. And I bring that up because so many people that I hear, like me, I'm short. That was my thing. I'm a short guy. I also, if I shave, I look 10 years younger than I am or more. And um, I faced it, you know, and then you pair, you pair that with getting in your own head. I hear people that say I'm too young. I've got people that, you know, have tattoos on their neck or their arms and they're self-conscious. I have a, a lot of uh, women that'll reach out. Am I at a disadvantage? Will people not take me serious? And we all, I just want to say like young, tall, old, short, small, skinny, fat, brown, yellow, white, purple, whatever skin color, whatever sexual orientation, everyone's got a thing that we put on ourselves and we kind of got to like shed that and, and just either find a way to use it to our advantage or just brush it off. So that's awesome, man. Cause so many, so many younger people that are in similar spots as you have reached out with the same thing. Like, does it matter that I'm young? It's like, not if it doesn't matter to you. Well, if there's one thing I could say, I had a mentor. It's a, the owner of our company is a big mentor of mine and it's led to a lot of the success I have. But one thing that kind of changed, cause I used to have that chip on my shoulder about being young. But one thing he told me is, well, you can't look at yourself as a young kid. You have to look at yourself as a young professional and act as such. And they have to treat you as such. So if you just walk around knowing that you're a young professional that I may be 21 and you may be 43, but I know way more about this roof and your problem than you do. So you have to rely on me for this information. And it's just knowing that and being confident in what you do know, just carry yourself like a young professional and don't have that chip. Dude, the, the how humble you are is really inspiring. And the advice you got from the owner, he sounds like an amazing person there's a lot of sales managers and owners who, who may be watching this or listening to the podcast. And I find that it's so important to take feedback from salespeople because that's the perspective that's so important. Everything that I do, even when I serve companies, it's about helping the individual, the Caleb succeed in the industry. That's, this is winning for everybody. And the reason I provided that context is I would love you to share if you're comfortable what maybe the top three things that have been the most because you said you had great culture great leadership and good training can you share like 
the three things that you got from your company that were so helpful so other people who are growing a team can learn from it? So if you're looking at some things, I'd say one of the things that I got that helped me a lot is we got first put on, there was three of us in a group and as our sales manager. So you had direct access to our sales manager. Also, the culture we have in our company is very family-like. I mean, we're all really close. We all hang out together, especially since COVID hit and you can't hang out with anybody else. Just yeah. got even closer. But having that personal touch, like my sales manager, when I first started, we went to his house, us three guys and him, and we drilled on door knocking and we drilled on pitching and he critiqued us. And we did this all up in his living room. So it's just being willing to take that time to develop your guys will pay off in the long run because I mean, that guy makes a portion of what I do now. Yeah. So it's just taking that time to develop those guys. I feel is a huge thing that helped me. I also had a two week class when I started. So when we started, I went in and the company provided a two week class on what is a three tap? What is an architectural shingle? What do we do? What is our culture? What is the insurance process? And he mm -hmm. kind of we took care of all of that in the first two weeks. And then that was just the class portion. After that, we went out and door knocked with our mentors and such. So in the beginning, I'd say just take the time to really educate your reps, because as long as they know what they if they feel confident that they know what they're selling, that's just more confidence they're going to have at the door and the better rate they're going to have at setting appointments, closing sales, because confidence just leads everything, in my opinion. Yeah, that's huge. In the role play, you mentioned role play. You guys were drilling it. Oh, yeah. I, that's so important. I did a video on, on role play and... and I was resistant to it. It's uncomfortable. But if you can handle that, I'm curious, did you, was it uncomfortable your first time? So role play is extremely uncomfortable. It's still uncomfortable for me. I, do, I role play is just uncomfortable. I feel because especially if you're talking to somebody that knows what you're supposed to say, or they have their own take on what you're supposed to take. It's so much more nerve wracking to role play with say your boss or your coworker than it yeah. ever is to knock a door because they don't know what you're going to say. Person yeah. across from you role playing with does. And then I have a girlfriend. She, she gets tired of it. I used to make her role play with me for like the first couple months in this. I'd, I'd sit there and I'd like walk around the corner. I'd knock on the door and she'd be like, really again. <laughs> that is awesome, dude. That's so great. Caleb. And the, there's a few people who are, who are using their spouse or significant other for, for that. And it, I mean, I, I had roommates before this too. So before I, I made all this money and was able to move out on my own. I had three other roommates and her. So anytime I felt like it, I could just go sit down and just drill anybody. And I had a whole yeah. bunch of, I can never overcome any objection from, I've got to go use the restroom to my dog just died. Like it's horrible, but yeah. I can, I have so many reps and I, I, I'll probably benefit from doing it some more, to be honest. Yeah, that's awesome. And when you mentioned the discomfort, when you can get, correct me if I'm wrong or disagree, I've found when you can handle that discomfort, that's the most uncomfortable scenario you're going to face because you got eyeballs on you that know what's going on. And when you can get comfortable with that, there's literally nothing in the field that is harder, in my opinion. Would you agree oh, yeah. or disagree with that? I, agree. I think the hardest thing I ever have done and as far as roofing or training is I had to pitch in front of our training class. That was like, you're, you, you got through training if you could pitch the pitch in front of the whole class. So that was like our thing, right of passage. Most nerve wracking I've done. Now talking to two people across the table is no problem. Yeah, that's awesome, man. On that note, so you mentioned the role play, investing in the team and training and education. Is there anything else that you that you would say like my owner, the sales manager, the culture that was really, really inspiring and supportive or helpful? Is there anything else that you that like kind of jumps top of mind? I'd say my direct two team leads is what we refer to our sales managers. Those two guys, they had mentored me personally a lot because I was younger and I, 
I'm not afraid to ask questions. So my greatest, my greatest advice I could give anybody is don't be afraid to ask questions. If you don't know something, don't be ignorant. Just, just ask the question. I was asking the dumbest questions. I mean, we'll go back to the three tab example. What's yeah. a three tab? What, you know, what, what's this? What's that? What's, how do you do this? How do you close in this? You just have to be willing to ask and seek the mentorship from the people who do know. And I mean, I, I try to always ask the people above me, but sometimes if I don't know something and there's another sales rep next to me, I'm like, hey, what's your take on this? You know, you just have to be able to talk that through and get different ideas in your head. That's, that's powerful. And that's a big thing holding people back. I was talking to another gentleman, um, but yes, yeah, I think it was also yesterday, man. Had two interviews yesterday and he was saying, you know, how hard, how hard it is for new people to just not have an answer. So that's okay. You can say, you know what? Great question. I don't know the answer. Give me a second. Let me get it for you. Step outside, call the sales manager, call the owner, phone a friend, look it up on the internet. It's okay. And it's, it, it, it shows humility and um, a genuine interest and integrity to be like, I don't know that. I mean, man, I got some embarrassing stories, embarrassing stories of things where I got caught on my heels and didn't know the answer to. And, and uh, I've just you know. learned to embrace that because there's more, there was a lot of times where I didn't know something. It was more often I didn't know something than I did know something. So when somebody yeah. like a homeowner would ask me, I'd be like, you know what? I don't have the answer for you, but by the time we finish this conversation, I step outside and make a phone call. I can get it for you. It's just, just yeah. have to embrace the fact that if I don't know, I'm not going to act like yeah. I know. Yeah. And then I, so much more trust built in the fact that you're like, well, I don't know, but I'll figure out the answer from somebody who does know. So they, they just trust that you're not going to try to go over their head with something. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, hardest scenario you've ever faced in your first year. What was it? I want to hear the story. I'll tell you the hardest scenario I think I, I faced in my first year has to go to the, my first two months and being in the business, getting eight roofs like signed and locked down and getting on the roof with the adjuster and having no, no, nothing bought. And it, I mean, we were working a real fringe area, so it was kind of hit or miss anyway. I didn't know that at the time. I was just trying to get on roofs. But those first two months, I had zero roof sold. I mean, nothing. Every roof I got on top of with an adjuster did didn't get bought. Didn't ha didn't even get close. They wouldn't even go for reinspect. And it was I was sitting there and I was like, okay, so this is obviously not hail. And just trying to get over the fact that even though I'm selling deals, I'm not getting money because I'm not closing them up on the adjuster appointments. There's not enough damage to get them bought. So just overcoming that whole period right there where I wasn't selling anything or I wasn't getting anything bought, I should say is it was just such a struggle. That was the hardest part I think I've ever fo faced in this whole industry is making sure that I could get roof spot. <laughs> so what was your big lesson from, from that difficult time? My big lesson, I would say that that was January and February of 2020. So by May, when it actually hailed, and I saw what like real true hail looked like, I was just calling people out on the wrong things. So there was, there was, there was the lesson to learn that, oh, this is real hail. And that was not, that was a blister. Okay, I now get it. So there was a big lesson on what is hail and what isn't hail. But it also, from the time that I, I went through that January, February, March, April, all of that where I only sold 50,000 in a total of four months. So that's nothing in terms of commission. Sure. And just learning that I really cut my teeth on getting your teeth kicked in on doors because I was working fringe. So I was, I was really just going at the door. So that helped a lot when we went into storm, just being more adverse and being Man, when we went to storm season, it was the easiest door knocking I ever had in my life. Because after doing that fringe work with no like real strong hail to work off of, it is so nice. You're just like, man, these people actually want to talk to me. Like, ah, 
just learning to be patient and wait for the results that come honestly. And it was just over the course of the year, I've learned that. Yeah, man, that's, that's a powerful lesson. I'm really glad you shared that story. Thank you. The, the other curious thing that I have is also, we, you know, our journeys are never linear and I'm wondering with the persistence, like if you hadn't had success signing those deals, even though they got denied, it was like the first win, the hard part, getting someone to answer the door, getting on a roof, getting it signed, getting the claim called in. Like you did that nine, 10 times, the back end didn't work out, but each piece we have to remember, like, I'm sure did this happen? Do you, I mean, many people, we count the commission, we, we, you know, in a way it's like signed it. Oh man, it's going to be a deal. And then, and it's not, and it's almost like someone takes that money out of your pocket, even though it was never there to begin with. Did you, did you have that experience? Like feeling like you earned it? And then it was like, Oh yeah. You have to learn to not spend money. That's not in your account yet. That's, 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 that's one thing you definitely have to learn right out the gates. Cause you know, until you, I'd say it took me about six months to be really consistent. Like I was getting a commission check every week from something I'm selling. But up to that, I was like, you know, I'd get a good check here on two weeks and then I wouldn't have a check the next week. Then I have a good check the next week. So trying to learn how to budget with this was crazy because you would have a sale, then it wouldn't get bought. And you're like, well, there goes those numbers that I thought I had. And you, yeah. it's, it's crazy how, how this industry works when it comes to it stuff is. like that. It totally is. Well, man, that's, that's special. Our, uh, our journeys are not linear, right? We have lots of setbacks and we can't look at them as failures. We've got to look at them as, as opportunities of what not to do and what to do better the next time. About this though, is, is you, is how many steps there are in this process. So you have to learn the insurance process. You have to learn how to be a proper door knocker. You have to learn how to do the direct mail. You have to learn how to do the closing. You have to learn how to do the pitch. There's so much to learn that you just, Patience is, again, we're bringing it up again. You have to be patient with yourself to understand that you can't learn all these six processes in one month and be the best there is. It just takes time. And I think for me, having that six months where I was getting literally beat up every day on the fringe market just made me that much better when we did get to a storm. And the Mm -hmm. funny thing, I didn't even get to buy the complete sales strategy until like August of last year after the storm had primarily went through. So I'm so excited for the storm now. Because yeah. I feel like I just have a whole new game plan to approach it with and new methods and well, way, way, way more knowledge. Yeah, that, that background is going to help a ton, man. And uh, I'm so glad to so glad to hear that and, and so excited to see, which I'd love to hear as we wrap up, what, where, where are you going next year? What's, I mean, where do you see yourself moving forward? What's your big plans? Life? I've got a, this year I've got sales goals. I'm going to sell about 2 million. That's the goal. Um, love it. I don't, I don't have kids or really a whole lot of responsibility. So I'm, I kind of can put more time into this than most people can. So my big goal is to sell 2 million and uh, bank up enough capital to buy a multifamily complex. I'm looking at like quadplexes this year. So that's my goal. Dreaming big. I love it. And it is all within reach. Um, final question, which is a fun one. So you just described a big hairy goal, banking some money, getting a quadplex or duplex or something as an investment. What, I always look that we are always one strategy away, myself included, from our next big breakthrough. When we're starting, it's learning how to start a conversation at the door. Then it's how to get on a roof. Then it's how to get to the kitchen table. Then it's how to present and overcome objections. Then it's how to close. Then it's how to be more efficient with your time. And it's just like, the ne- as soon as we get good at the, the next thing, it opens up the next thing. So for you to sell that 2 million, what is the one strategy that you need to make it happen? I say I've got two, two that I'm working on really hard. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to educate myself a little bit more. One on social media marketing, because 
Though I'm young, I really am not too familiar with how any of that works. So I'm trying to learn how to social media market more effectively. And then of course, I'm trying to fish for whales this year. So that's another thing I'm really trying to, I've dove a ton of time into is trying to figure out the commercial side of this aspect because all of last year was residential. This year, in order for me to hit the 2 million goal, I've got to mix a little bit of both. So I've been educated, diving into that a whole lot. Commercial is my next step. Way cool. You know, the commercial thing, so many people, um, I want to respond to both of those to help. The social media piece, I've done some interviews. Um, Andrew Itnair on the channel, he did 3 million in sales in a neighborhood largely driven from social, mostly Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, he knows more on that. And uh, I'll send you that. It's on the channel. I forget. It says Andrew, Andrew Itnair. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll send it to you as soon as we're done. And the other thing on the commercial is, um, I don't know your company setup. But if, make sure that you're selling jobs that you know what you can sell, that it can be built. Um, I, made a, I made some mistakes chasing like um, TPO roofs and things that, that I just had no idea what to do or what, what implications or if I got up there, what to look for. Um, looking at slope roofing, shingled roofs, churches, HOAs, apartment complexes, retirement communities. Those, are, those were my, my big whales to chase. And when you learn and by the way when you jump into the complete sales strategy at the end there's a video on commercial check that one out the big biggest difference is for you to wrap your mind around the different needs sales cycles the same but a business person is thinking different things they have different wants and desires than an individual homeowner so when you can when you can uh talk shop as an entrepreneur, which I think every single salesperson is, you need to be able to say, listen, I know what's important to you. You want to keep your property safe. You want to keep the people safe. You don't want any liability. I've had some issues on that front. Not fun. Um, and you want to make sure that to have the least disruption on your tenants. And we can help facilitate this process start to finish because for a commercial property owner, especially those multifamily units, they have to notify every single tenant what's going on when the roof's going to be installed and i'll tell you tenants aren't happy with noise doesn't matter if they're getting a new roof you disrupted their day something happened when you can be the dumpster of all of that you will win the business and since we deal with rejection and discomfort all the time it's easy if you can position yourself as the liaison to say listen we're going to coordinate this install, man. We did, we'd put all of our crews and knock out like hundred square roofs a day because we'd be like, all right, this crew starts left half. You start right half. And we'd knock out that building in a day and then we'd move it. So that way it was the least disruption. It was like, here's the tenants. You got one day we're in and out. Then we'd notify the next building and we'd, you know, cone it all off and make it, make the job site just super impressive. So if you can, when you get in for that presentation, you know, using that, that hook to say, listen, you know, we know what we're doing on this. We're going to make sure to keep your, your property safe, your people safe. And I'm going to take care of that responsibility because so many folks don't realize what they're getting into, that it's not just hiring the roofer. It's all the other stuff. So I hope that that helps. And if you have any other questions, I'm happy to dive into them. Yeah, of course. No, I, what I've looked at as far as commercial, and this is just what I've been able to accumulate is. You have to present it as like, hey, look, keeping up with your tenants when we start this project is going to be another full-time job. So yep. why don't you hire me to do that? And I take care of the roof. And it's just less for you to have to deal with. And that's kind of been my approach with it so far. Um, I was real late on trying to do commercial on this storm because mm -hmm. I didn't have a clue how to even do residential when the storm hit. So yeah. 
I'm really waiting to dive into a whole lot of it when I get to be put on my next storm because a lot of the stuff that was done from this previous storm has been in contract with somebody else because it's been a year now. So it's been real hard to try to pick any of that out. Yeah, man, that you are, you are heading places, my friend. And I'm so excited to hear about what happens next year because you, you it's like you worked at all the kinks. You had the, the struggle bus of the first few months and, and now it's, it's only, I always, they always say like, is it uphill or downhill uphill? Like it's all uphill from here, but that sounds harder, but downhill implies bad. So anyway, it's all forward and, and up, but Caleb, thanks so much for being here. Is there anything else that you want to share or words of wisdom for someone who's jumping in where you were a year ago before we call it a wrap? I would say just be patient with yourself. Don't be afraid to take time after work to educate yourself further. Pick up a book on something you maybe don't know about. It's just, I feel like, and, and also just be consistent. I mean, be consistent with everything you're doing. Don't try to knock 300 doors on Monday and not knock the rest of the week. Just try to knock, you know, 25 a day is better than 300 on one day, in my opinion. And it's just yeah. the consistency of being somewhere every day, being seen every day, talking to the same people every day. Eventually, these people become like your friends. And it's, it's ridiculous because I'll be walking down the street and I'm like, hey, John, you know, just like somebody I didn't even do their roof. And they just wave at me every time I walk by. Just it's so great. And then I love me personally. I love the connections I build through here. So if not anything else, if you just appreciate the connection, the sales will come. Love it, man. I got nothing to add to that. Thank you for being here and uh, really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to hearing about your continued success. So thanks a ton, Caleb. Yes, sir. Hey, thanks again for joining me on this episode of the Roof Strategist Podcast. If you are out on a roof or driving around in your truck, you'll find everything you need right there in the show notes, including links to all my products and services, or to download your free copy of my Pitch Like a Pro Roofing Sales Training Video Library. And remember, all of my content is built around one simple principle. You ask, I answer. So, what would you like me to cover in an upcoming episode? Email me personally, Adam at roofstrategist.com. That's Adam at roofstrategist.com. Don't forget to subscribe and write a review for the podcast, and I'll see you next time.